Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have you company for this Thursday afternoon. A whirlwind of earnings coming out in the morning and uh, this afternoon for the next hour or so, of course, it is time for the call where we, um, we analyse 10 stocks that you suggest and we, uh, we put them to our expert panel. Uh, to find out what they think. And always great to have Julia Lee from Berman Invest back with us. Julia, good to see you. Great to be in studio in Koshi. And Carl Kapalinga from uh, Think Markets. Carl, uh, good to have you aboard from, from Perth. It's uh, great to have your company and um, also your view on the 10 stocks that we've got ahead. Um, as I said, um, a whirlwind uh, morning of, um, of reports and earnings reports coming out. AMP and Telstra and Breville, which is a, um, a family favourite here of the call, an enormous amount coming out. AMP returning uh, money to capital. Um, before we get into your stocks, uh, I always choose a stock of the day because it's earnings season. I thought we'd take a look at uh, Telstra, which is a, a favourite of a lot of uh, retail investors. Uh, Telstra came out and reported this morning saying, they're going to maintain a final dividend despite a full-year profit slide of 14%. The telco saw total income fall almost 6% over the year to just $26 billion, not just to $26 billion. Looking ahead to 2021, Telstra expecting total income to stay down over the next year, putting the cost of COVID at around $400 million. Andy Penn saying Telstra is committed to its T22 strategy and was targeting a return of capital by 2023. Juliet, what did you think of uh, Telstra's result and does it shift your opinion on uh, on whether it's a worthwhile investment? Well, I think it's a pretty disappointing result. You'd expect for a company like Telstra that you would have seen relatively defensive earnings coming out of the COVID-19 situation as people have to work from home. But actually we saw one of the most attractive divisions that Telstra has, which is its mobile division being impacted negatively and it looks like there is increasing competition that's impacting there and we aren't traveling so international roaming obviously being hit there as well mm. so people buy Telstra because of the defensive nature of its earnings but unfortunately in this circumstance we've actually seen revenue decreasing and it looks like in the next financial year or the current financial year that we're in at the moment about a 400 million dollar hit from COVID-19 I think Getting away from the COVID-19 impacts, so the short to medium term impacts, moving on to the more longer term impacts. We know that from 2024 that that $1 billion payment from MBM will roll off and that's uh, for using Telstra's copper networks. So Telstra really having to adjust to this new world where it is getting relatively low margins from being a reseller of NBN, but a catalyst might be 5G. When you have right. a new product, it often refreshes the strategy and direction of the business. And I think moving uh, from NBN where it's very low margin to hopefully a, a fatter margin might be a positive. Right, okay. Does it change your view on Telstra? Are you a buyer? I've told you, you look at that, um, look at that price chart, uh, what is it, just over three bucks at the moment? Yeah, I think whenever it gets to around about that $3 level, it's time to accumulate for the longer term portfolio. So look, oh. disappointing for the short to medium okay. term, but usually around that five uh, that $3 uh, level, it's it, it represents a buy or under that $3 level. And generally you see it moving back towards uh, closer to that $375, right. $4.25 okay. period over time. All right, so watch it for a pull. If it comes back to $3, it's... It's down, uh, what, 5% at the moment. So the market, like you, didn't like the result either yeah. coming out. Uh, Carl, what do you think of uh, Telstra? Worse, I guess if that's, um, if that's some upside 
uh, to it. I think the dividend is probably the most pleasing element for investors, especially income investors, that are probably going to find it pretty hard to um, you know maintain their incomes from dividends over the next six to twelve months at least. Um, so that's that's one upside. I think the share price today reflects that sort of view of it's not great, but but could have been worse. Um, Telstra has never really been much of a growth stock uh, anyway, so I don't think um, you would be reading into that report and looking for the the you know the key drivers of of, of growth going forward. Juliet mentioned 5G, but um, you know those uh, uh, getting any solid uh, earnings earnings expectations out of those is, is still not yet on the, on the horizon. Um, David, I, I like to to look at the charts um, as well. So um, obviously the the fundamentals are are important to me. I don't ignore those. But um, when you put all those fundamentals together and and shake them all around and then pour them out, that's uh, that kind of equals the chart. So the chart is the the sum of all fears and all all uh, expectations. And um, as I said, today's uh, drop and sort of rally from the lows is uh, is indicative of, of the overall result. O overall, looking at the uh, the Telstra. Uh, technical picture. I'll just go to the uh, the Telstra chart now. Um, look, it's a bit of a flat line, isn't it? So short-term uh, trend was up pr prior to today. The long-term trend is actually still a long-term down downtrend by my measures. I'm happy to go into some of the indicators I use if you're if you're interested in, in doing that later on. Um, but looking at, I like to align those short-term and, and long-term trends. And when you get that alignment, it's telling you that the shorter-term traders are, are happy with the stock. They're, they're piling in. And when the long-term trends in alignment, those longer-term um, investors uh, are also happy. So we've got a bit of a mixed bag here, don't we? We've got short-term investors somewhat happy with it. Long-term investors are still dissatisfied. And, and when you put that together, it's probably not um, uh, providing a great investment case uh, at this point. Mm. Um, so I'm interested because you were saying, uh, Carl, Telstra is not a growth stock. Uh, Julia is saying as a defensive stock, it's disappointed. Um, Carl, what is Telstra? How... how as a as a uh, a normal investor, how should you view view Telstra? Um, you know, is it a disappointing defensive stock? Is is it still a yield stock? Um, where where does it sit? Yeah, look, I I still think it's a yield stock. I think you you kind of play it as a um, um, as a bond almost. Uh, I, I think it's probably oh. the way to go. I mean, it's yielding. Just looking at uh, my numbers here, four point. Six uh, percent. I don't think that'll change as a result of today's announcement. So it's fully franked. Um, if you're looking at Australian um, uh, bonds, uh, you, you know you're getting uh, less than one one percent yield. I know in my my term deposits that I have, I'm getting one uh, percent with my bonus 0.1 percent top up uh, from a from a particular term deposit provider out there. Um, so uh, you know it, it's a pretty attractive um, yield. Uh, from that perspective but of course um, you do have the risk of, of price uh, depreciation uh, which can um, eat into your into into your uh, into your yield but if you're not looking to um, to, to crystallize a, a capital gain or capital loss uh, in the near term or you know in brackets ever like probably most Telstra shareholders uh, then that's not really not, not really an issue I mean if you're going to buy today with a 12 month uh, price uh, 12 month uh, holding period uh, where you're guaranteed to sell in 12 months, uh, then there is risk from that price depreciation, like there is on any on any share. But if your if your holding period is is indefinite, as I said, like many many shareholders are, um, then then the yield is is really what you what you're going to earn, um, okay. you know, year in year out. And I think that's still pretty attractive, and that and that's why people will continue okay. to hold Telstra regardless of what you or I or or Julia or anybody else says yeah. uh, today or tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, a yield stock, and uh, uh, so from Julia's point of view. Around a three dollar mark is is an accumulate. The problem with looking at Telstra as a yield stock is that the yield has been declining. So you yeah. see, you know, earning is constantly falling because of the NBN, and it's going to continue to do that unless it can fill that gap. And the only right. thing on the horizon that could potentially step in there is five G. And the exciting thing about five G is not just selling the services of five G, but we're all gonna need new phones as well. So yeah. being able to sell those phones, it's almost That's become right. a reseller of products as yeah. well as services. So looking right. at the possible products, um, I guess catalysts coming up as well as the potential services yeah. side. Okay. Interesting analysis there on the uh, on Telstra stock of the day. Uh, Carl, our first stock suggested by uh, viewers, this one comes from Jackie. We'll kick it off with you on this because it's a West Australian uh, gold and uh, uh, producer and explorer, Regis Resources. What do you think of Regis? 
Yeah, look, it's a company um, I've been following closely uh, since I started here at Think Markets. Um, it's a company I, I do like. Um, and then the big, the big caveat on that, is, of course, is if you think gold prices are going to be higher, uh, you know, in 12 to 18 months' time than, than they are today. And I think, you know, you can't really look at Regis resources without having a, a view on gold. So the history of Regis is that it tends to do very well when, when gold prices are up and it tends to not do as well when gold prices are down. And that's simply because um, as, as a, a bit of a one-trick pony, so gold is the main show for Regis resources. Um, if, if you're if the commodity that you're selling, um, if, if you can't achieve a, a, a better price this week than you did um, last week, then, then your, your earnings are going to suffer. So um, assuming that the gold price stays firm, and I think it will, I think there are, there are positive tailwinds for the gold price. I know it's made a lot of headlines over the last couple of days with that 5% fall, and that probably spooked quite a few of the shorter term investors. But I think longer term, um, the prospects for the gold price still remain good, which means then that uh, Regis should continue to have really quite good cash flows. I mean, it has reported um, uh, increasing cash flows for the last, uh, for obviously for the last uh, quarter quarterly update that it just had um, in, into obviously um, FY19 as well, um, expected to continue. Um, it's got plenty of cash in the bank. Um, it's trying to reduce its hedging position so it can get more exposure to uh, the, the spot gold price. Um, it's one of those um, ex uh, producers that's an explorer as well. So I'd like to find when I look for gold stocks, I like to find explorers that have some, um, I should say, so I'd like to find producers that have exploration upside rather than explorers that have production upside. And this certainly <laughs> um, is one of those that uh, that is, a, it's, it's producing, um, it's got great operations. It's got uh, potentially um, quite a bit of, um, uh, quite a bit of uh, production to come on board uh, from existing operations. And then there's also one there uh, in the process of getting approval from the name escapes me now it's mix something um, and i'm sure julia probably know that she's probably got a note says so she can tell us what it is but that should come come on board the next couple of years and that's um a bit okay. of a game changer for the company as well so so you'd be a buyer at these levels uh look that's a tricky one it's had a pretty sharp pullback on that pullback um in in the gold price here look i think if you are a believer in the story this is exactly where you'd uh, be looking to get into it to take advantage of that pullback yeah okay julia Regis? Well, you know, I like shiny things. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, gold, if we have a look at what happened after the global financial crisis, there was a huge amount of money supply expansion or balance yep. sheet expansion by the Federal Reserve. And gold prices didn't peak till three years after 2009. So if you have a look at what's happening during COVID-19 and the balance sheet expansion, there's probably quite a way to go in terms of gold. Mm. The downside is that it is extremely volatile. It's not unusual for gold miners to jump up six to eight percent or down six to eight percent yeah. just in one session um, without any news just on the back of the underlying gold price so you have to be prepared for that volatility in terms of regis it's got a strong balance sheet uh, having a look at its operations it's low grade open pit over in wa and look you probably could get it slightly at cheaper prices and i think it really is important to use um, technicals in terms of gold because of the sharp moves that you yeah. see either way i think gold's still probably a little bit more weakness but you know waiting for that extra weakness can mean an extra 10 percent. so right. um, it can yeah. be quite a bit and then just being really nimble using um I guess uh, your risk management skills in terms of gold, I'm very quick to get in, but I'm very quick to get out um, right. because of the price moving so much. Okay, but a good company to get into. So yeah. if it comes back 10%. Yeah, we, we hold Northern Regis. Star, don't mind right. Regis. Um, right. And I like Newcrest in that space at the moment as right. well. Okay. And it's been put to me by um, some of the analysts on the call in the past that, uh, that gold miners seem to be to be way better run during this boom than previous booms which would they'd go out and pay enormous amounts for new assets have to write them off in uh, or write them down in a couple of years but uh, it looks as though cfos are running gold producers at the moment because they've all got good balance sheets and they've all got plenty of cash by the look of it. And they're giving out <laughs> dividends which is pretty unusual. Who, who, who would have thought Carl that gold um, uh, producers would be a yield play. No, they, look, they, they definitely are. And I think that's a little Ridiculous. bit of a sleeper. Yeah, it's a bit of a sleeper story with gold as well. Um, so yep. um, it's about three and a three and a half percent on RRL, but all the numbers look great. The, the valuation's yep. not, not pressed at all. 
Um, and it just, as Julie said, look, it's all about the gold price. And if the gold mm. price hangs, even hangs around here, uh, then this one is looking really cheap. Yep. All right. Uh, so thank you for that suggestion, Jackie. Next suggestion uh, from Alex, Julia, is Acro Formwork and Construction Services. I hadn't really heard much of Acro, uh, but it's big in um, scaffolding systems and formwork in, in construction. Been around a long time, started in the UK, um, employs a lot of staff and, and big in that construction industry. Yeah, I hadn't actually heard of this one, so I went and did a, a little bit of research on it. It is a small company, about $65 million market cap. My gut initially said that it's in the building area and building will probably be suppressed due to COVID-19. But your gut's not always right. So I went back to have a look at the numbers and actually it's quite impressive. Um, If we have a look at um, levels of work of this company in March and April, which were pretty big hits from COVID-19, they saw saw record levels of work mm. happening. Um, not only that, if you have a look at their pipeline, uh, their revenue p- pipeline's up 20% from where it was in December 2019, so the mm. end of last year. And also if you consider the government stimulus, which probably will help the civil infrastructure side of things, we could see this company actually benefiting. So looking relatively cheap here, given the growth profile, it is a very small company. So you'd have to look at the liquidity side of things. Yeah. Um, You look at some of the the blocks in the the charts there, (laughs) and that tends to indicate there's very little liquidity. Um, So... Yeah, I think, it, for you? I think it's interesting here. It's okay. too small for me, but right. um, you know, if I was looking at it, I'd probably do a bit deeper research. But okay. nice to see um, to those yep. record levels of work in March and yep. April, which is a really positive sign given the weak economic environment. Yep. Uh, Carl, what do you think about Crow? Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. As uh, as you've said, it's a it's a smaller capitalisation stock, and quite often when you look at those small ones, um, you know, they don't uh, they don't make money, they don't pay dividends. Uh, this is one that actually does make money. It does pay dividends. It seems to be pretty well run. Uh, as Julia said, um, their operations span across uh, civil, but they've also got some um, some residential and commercial as well. Uh, if you're a believer that the federal government and state governments will, will spend their way uh, via infrastructure out of the economic downturn, then this one may stand to benefit. But you have to um, really, there's, a, there's probably a big big line between that money actually you know being spent by the government and then um, ACF getting some of the contracts and then actually turning those into earnings so um, potentially you could argue there's some tailwinds there but they're, they're probably a ways out if you're looking at the chart as you said David it's uh there's not a lot going on there there, there wasn't a, a lot going on before COVID in terms of the, the price action so um, often you find stocks uh, I mean afterpay is one that comes to mind where it was booming before COVID COVID hit went from you know amazing to terrible and then uh, after COVID back to amazing. This one wasn't that amazing before COVID. It's not that amazing after COVID, which kind of indicates to me that, um, you know, I don't, I don't think things necessarily have gotten all that much better. Uh, as you say, not a lot of volume, which means if you are going to put this in your portfolio, um, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're going to take on any sort of size, it may be hard to get out of. So um, that's a bit of a concern for me. Um, short-term trend flat, long-term trend flat to down, um, it's hardly uh, lighting the market on fire at this point in time. And I think um, you want to look where there's a little bit of action um, because where there's, you know, where there's action, there's potential for price movement. It's just, it's just not there on this one at the moment. Right, okay, all right. Thank you for that suggestion. Our uh, next suggestion is Challenger, the financial group that's been very much involved in, um, in investment products and particularly annuities. One of our bigger financial services organisations um, specialising in the annuity market. Uh, Carl, what do you think of, uh, of Challenger? They reported just a couple of days ago, uh, you know, delivered a, a $750 million hit to uh, um, the, the sell-off in global financial markets. Uh, annuity sales down 13%. What do you think of the result and does it affect your opinion on the stock? Yeah, look, the result was below most uh, big brokers' expectations. Um, but I guess, it, look, I mean, and, and you can go through all the usual reasons for why it wasn't fantastic. Um, you know, uh, global market volatility, um, you know, there were people people taking money out of super, which, have their, you know, of course, creates issues in itself. Um, but going forward, look, you know, markets have, have done pretty well. 
Um, since those lows, we've got the S&P 500 in the US um, staring down a record high last night. The Nasdaq's taken out the highs. So um, we can talk about market volatility, but if you actually look at where markets are now compared to where, where they were at the start of the year, um, you know, we're, we're not that we're not that far off, I guess. So, mm. um, you know, what I'm saying is maybe the worst is behind Challenger and some of these other beaten down, um, you know, fund managers. Um, so, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here. It's not it's not coming out the charts. Let me let me tell you that um, the charts look look terrible, but you know, often things look 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 darkest before the dawn. Um, I'd need to see this one start to put in. Um, you know, it's, it's the oldest technical um, indicator in the books, isn't it? It's, it's it's higher higher highs, higher lows. So a little bit of an uptrend building in 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 the um, in the price action. Um, some of those you know longer term moving averages to turn around, and then you start to get involved. I think if you if you had it, it's probably worth hanging on to it on the on the basis of what I've talked about before. Um, uh, if if you don't have it, you'd be looking for a move. Uh, look, it's a pretty decent move. I think you'd have to move uh, into the high fours, really, before you start to get that confidence that the market is starting to see this turnaround. And therefore, you know, those longer term investors are starting to come back into the stock. Mm. Uh, Julian, what do you think of, of Challenger? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, look, we saw that the worst profit result from Challenger uh, since 2009. So, you know, you have to go back a fair whack to yep. see a result as bad as this one. And look, there's a number of challenges, but I think the key one that I'm watching us at the moment is the structural shift that we're seeing in the industry. Before you saw the big four um, really strong players in that wealth management space, but that vertically integrated model has really fallen apart. And that means that the usual sales method of, of Challenger has also somewhat fallen apart. So right. they've lost about a billion dollars in annuity sales because of that vertical integration sort of disintegrating. So, so this is financial planners selling your products and financial planning is broken up and going through Absolutely. huge re-engineering. So it's it? going more towards independence. And look, yeah. that move towards independence has been a huge positive for players like Net Wealth, Hub24. But traditional players like IOOF, which were very strongly geared towards the, the big four and the traditional network, I think um, you know they're having to try and shift their strategy. And at the moment, we're still feeling a lot of pain, and I don't think that pain is over as yet. And then add into the mix life insurance, which has been a bust case for years but yep. you're still seeing headwinds in terms of margins there so I'd be staying well away from from Challenger okay um, so thank you for that Gavin so if you read up um, Carl says yep hold on to it but you wouldn't be getting into it as a new investor a definite no from uh, Julia you mentioned IOOF it's we've got a bit of a financial <laughs> services bent in our, our our 10 stocks today and David wants a view on IOOF. Uh, same basket as Challenger? Yeah, absolutely. So you're looking at platforms distribution as well as investment management and yep. um, look, all those areas, those traditional areas, I prefer net wealth in the space. NWL would be my top pick there, yep. but it's coming under pressure. Not only that, you're seeing some legacy issues which are really dragging down the business. So customer remediation, that's really only just mm. started. So they're going to have to uh, go on in terms of that remediation and then add into the mix. You know, they, they bought that ANZ business and it looks like in the first five months that it contributed to earnings, there's been a large deterioration in earnings, which isn't great when you pay for a business and then suddenly you've seen a massive deterioration in that business that you've bought. So look, IOOF, uh, a no from me. I think it's high risk with a, a poor outlook. I think there are other clearer structural trends that are happening in this industry that you could right. ride as an investor for easier returns. Right. So, so you prefer net wealth in this sector, but as a sector, is it one that's going under going to undergo so much change it's easier just to look elsewhere no i think disruption always brings winners and losers oh, yeah. and the yeah. losers are the old players and the winners are the ones that are geared towards independence yeah. so i think the net wealth of the world hub 24 so right. are continuing to see funds under management growing okay. and we're seeing that reflected in the numbers but your traditional players like IOOF, amp these are the ones coming under pressure as the whole vertically integrated model is falling apart and the move is towards yeah. independence yeah um amp um, <laughs> did did report today yes um, it's been absolutely smashed over the last 18 months 
Um, good rebound in the share price today as a result of what? Return of capital. Return of capital, capital return of capital, and return of capital. Does <laughs> it change your mind on AMP? No, I mean, you just have to have a look at Aurora and what happened after the return of capital. The quick key question is, yes, you get that nice sugar hit, but what comes after the sugar hit? And there's still a lot of hard work to be done. You could buy into AMP as a turnaround play, but it's extremely high risk. I prefer to enter into turnaround plays when there's actually signs of a turnaround, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> rather than just talk of a turnaround. So I'd probably wait, be yeah. waiting a little bit. Um, share price up 11% yeah. on the back of the announcement. Treasury Wines, which was uh, has disappointed for so long, it was up almost 11%. Um, yeah. Uh, knee-jerk reactions on the on the market. I think the one of the most interesting things that it, this reporting season is going to be out of the retail space. Those yeah. retailers that aren't paying rent, aren't paying wages, mm. and still have online sales. And Premier Investments is a strong example yep. of that. Um, Good report today. It's a as well. fascinating environment for retailers. You think yep. about the highest costs in the retailing space: it's wages, rent, and you're not paying those. And if you're still getting online sales, it could potentially be one of the yeah. most profitable periods. In in the last few years. Yep, yep. Saw it with what well, Adairs the other day. Eleven million dollars in government assistance. Holy dooly. Uh, uh, increasing their dividend as a result. Anyhow, we're getting a bit sidetracked on off of IWF here, Carl. What do you think of IWF? <laughs> Yeah, look, it's pretty similar to CGF. Um, you know, they're, they're not they're not sexy at all, are they? They're, they're, they are the incumbents. Um, they're big, they're old, they're slow uh, compared to the disruptors. But, you know, there, there's going to be a point where they are looking to be, val- um, you know, where, where there is some value in them. I'm, I, you know, I've, I reiterate what I said about the CGF chart. It doesn't look fantastic. Um, neither does the IFL chart. They're both, um, you know, short-term, long-term downtrends. Um, however, I think with with stability returning to, to financial markets, um, you know, I think it's it's more likely we we find a basing pattern and, and a low in these in in the in the medium term um, rather than uh, you know complete uh, capitulation from here. It doesn't mean I'm a buyer of these. Uh, quite the opposite. Um, you know, I, I'm with Julia. I'm looking for growth. I'm looking for um, for excitement and all of those things, um, and not necessarily that doesn't make me a short-term trader. But if you're not looking where the market is looking, um, often it, it's you know you, you, you're you're hard pressed to find uh, those price increases. So um, I don't think it's here. Um, you mentioned Treasury Wine Estate. Uh, coincidentally, I looked at that one yesterday. Um, Julie talked about turnaround plays, and they're one of my favourite types of um, plays to to go for. Uh, and uh, we had a, a talk in the office yesterday about Treasury Wine Estate specifically, and then uh, you mentioned that big pop-up today. So I'm frustrated that I didn't uh, get a research note out in time on that one, but uh, looking quite interesting here. And I'll certainly follow that up this afternoon. You might see a research note out uh, on it from Think Markets tomorrow for Treasury Wine Estate. Yeah, 11% um, uh, pickup in the share price on the, on the back of the uh, the earnings result was really interesting. Um Let's go to our, our fifth stock suggested by Tony. It's an ETF, uh, Carl, the, the BetaShares Asia Tech Tigers ETF. Yes. Um, what do you think of it? Yeah, this one's this one's really exciting. So I talked about excitement before, and this one's got excitement all, all written all over it. It's an, it's an absolute excitement machine. So it's uh, it's holding um, some of, I'll get the list here, uh, some of the, the, the hottest names uh, in Asian uh, technology, Taiwan Semiconductor, which has obviously been around forever, but um, you know, newer, newer, sexy ones like Tencent, uh, Tencent Holdings, Alibaba. Um, it's got Samsung, uh, JD.com, NetEase, and a, and a few others. So um, they, you know they are the they are as 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 big as you know the fangs fangs in America, but the the Asian versions of those. Um, look, I'm pretty bullish uh, on 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 you know sort of uh, Chinese growth. Uh, I'm, I'm bullish on on tech. And when you put those uh, together, then um, this is certainly a good place to, to be to take advantage of that. Um, it's had a great run. You know, I started covering it when it was around about $8. It's around about $9.40 right now. Um, it's definitely a, a more of a momentum play without uh, knowing the, the, the fundamentals for all of those names I talked about. I'm not going to pretend that I do. I can't uh, talk to you about the, about the underlying valuation um, of the assets within the fund. But certainly from a momentum perspective, it has that. Um, it's had a little bit of a pullback recently, which is nice, and I, I like pullbacks within um, well-defined long-term uptrends because it just gives you a little bit of a, a discounted uh, uh, level to get in at. So round about here is where I'd be looking to, to pick it back up again uh, if I didn't have it or if I was uh, adding it earlier um, uh, in the year, I'd, I'd probably add a few more around this level as well. 
Okay, Julia? Uh, this is a gross play, and I guess if you're having a look at the tech giants around Asia, really if you have a look at tech valuations, they take their cue from the Nasdaq. So as long as the Nasdaq's hitting all-time record highs, this is going to do well. But as soon as that reverses, you're going to see this tumble as well. So look, um, I think just be very careful in terms of keeping an eye on what's driving this space, because obviously valuations in this space and the premium valuations in this space are, are being driven by what's happening over on the Nasdaq and, and the big uh, the big fangs, I suppose, because it is very hard to find growth in a low growth or no growth yep. world. And technology is one area where it is doing well. But look, I like this. I like the structure of this as well. The management expense ratio is just 0.65%. Mm. So um, a very low uh, management expense ratio. So low fees getting exposure to a high quality basket. The only thing is the top five holdings are weightings of between 8 to 10% in terms of the portfolio. So you really are holding those giants of Asia. So yeah. watching it, those individual stocks, for example, Tencent and the, the clash with the US at the moment and just watching that carefully too. Right, yeah, uh, the, uh, the trade relations between... Yeah. Uh, but uh, but looking good, good for the time being, especially okay. while the Nasdaq's hitting all-time record highs. All right, okay. Let's uh, recap our first five stocks that you've suggested. Um, and uh, if you look at uh, Telstra at the moment, um, Julia saying becomes fair value around around three dollars. Carl saying look at it more as a, a, a bond if you like if you if you're after yield. Uh, Regis Resources uh, a yes from both Julia and Carl. Um, Acro too small for for both of them, but interesting uh, company that that Julia is watching. Uh, Challenger a no from Julia if you're in it. Uh, a hold from Carl, but a no otherwise. I do, I double O F a no. Um, Julia preferring um, Hub24 or uh, NetWealth in that space, who are the new disruptors in that platform business. And uh, the the uh, beta shares, Asia Tech Tigers, a yes uh, from uh, both Julia and Carl. Just a bit of a, a programming note, our reporting season coverage continues with John McBain, uh, the Centuria Capital Joint Chief Executive, uh, he's joining us at 1.30 to talk about the outlook and performance. So hopefully you can join us then. And uh, uh, just to, to recap, a whole bunch of uh, uh, earnings results out today. And um, to give you a, a look at the share market reaction, AMP out this morning at share price was up 11%. Treasury wines up 11 Premier Investments, as, as Julia mentioned earlier, up about 8% the uh, the reaction to their earnings result. QBE up 6%. Goodman Group, which is always mentioned here uh, on the call as, if you like, the, the premier um, uh, property REIT play, if you like, um, up 3%. Flight Centre reported today, a, a, a whopping loss, but share price up 3%. Uh, Evolution Mining up almost 3%. Woodside, a, um, a poor result, a down result there, as uh, a lot of them are. Uh, Woodside, no, basically lying bull on the market. Uh, Telstra down 5%, Breville down 6%, and AGL share price uh, reaction down 10%. All right, let's go to our uh, second five stocks that have been suggested by you. And uh, Fisher and Paykel Healthcare, has uh, been suggested by Rachel Julia for an opinion on that. Um, certainly a company that's been in, in the sweet spot for yeah, <laughs> during this absolutely. COVID pandemic. Look, I, I like the business, but I wouldn't buy it at these levels. It's right. too expensive. I mean, looking at their traditional business, their bread and butter, it's a sleep apnea space. Um, but yep. recently they've seen a big uptick because of, um, I guess, selling hospital consumables as well as ventilators. Yep. Um, and that's really helped boost. Um, but I think... We've started to see a bit of a reversal in terms of the share price. Um, so I do think that it is going to come down further. And look, it is expensive um, if you are looking at it on a medium to long-term scale. I'd prefer ResMed here from a valuation perspective. Right. And I do think that ResMed, once conditions normalise, that its sleep yeah. apnea business will probably... Because its price has been pretty weak. 
Whiteley too. It, it came it? out with a poor report out yeah. of Whiteley and it's been sold down quite heavily. If I was to choose between the two, I'd choose ResMed at the moment. But I think both of them are looking relatively expensive and probably have received a bit of a COVID-19 boost. Right. Yeah. Um, and as conditions normalise and we focus in on the traditional business, I'd prefer ResMed rather than uh, okay. Fisher & Paykel. Uh, Carl, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare. Yeah, look, it's, it's a great company. It's uh, it's well run, fantastic return on equity. Um, you know, it's just tick, 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 tick and everything you want to see in terms of uh, earnings, earnings um, momentum, uh, reliability. Uh, but as Julia said, uh, PE of about 62, I think, um, makes it uh, feel a bit, uh, a bit high up here in terms of valuation. Uh, having said that, you know, uh, PEs, uh, you've got to look forward, not backwards. And uh, as that some of that growth hits the bottom line, that PE will come down. Uh, whether it's going to come down into the, you know, to, to the mid, uh, mid-teens where we'd like to buy, buy stocks typically, I don't think so. Um, but, uh, you know, look, it is what it is. And um, I think it's probably more of a sideways in terms of its uh, price momentum um, for a period of time than continuing to, to shoot out the lights like it has done over the course of the year. To put, a, put it into perspective, it, you know, it's a stock that compared to many others, we've talked about Challenger, IFL, it's done so well. And, uh, you know, if you've got it, I would definitely hang on to it um, for, for, for all the reasons I've talked about. If you don't have it, look, there's probably going to be um, uh, better things out there with, with more momentum in the near term than this one. So, yeah, look, it's definitely a hold. I'd be interested if it, uh, if it started to, to tick up again. Um, but just looking at the chart, it's probably got a bit of a quiet patch in front of it for the time okay. being. All right, Rachel, there you go. Good opinions there on uh, Fisher and Paykel. Uh, Carl, Scott wants a view on Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals. It's um, in the, obviously a, a pharmaceutical business, um, has a treatment for inflammation and going through some testing at the moment and, and got it in front of the FDA in America for approval. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's an interesting one. A lot a lot going on. Um, it's uh, you know like any of these research and development businesses. Uh, you know, costs are an issue until um, you know we can get some approvals and some some products uh, out there. So uh, it's not um, from a fundal, fundamental point of view probably not um, uh, that ex- that exciting uh, just at this stage. Um, uh, there have been some insider sales as well. Just looking at my notes here. Um, they've had some issues with the uh, departure of the chairman, so that's generally not a fantastic sign. Um, and then there's qu- some some questions, uh, just doing some research here, some questions as to the viability of the drug as well. So that's that's the fundamentals. Putting that aside, looking at the chart, the chart kind of agrees with the fundamentals. So, um, you know, short-term trend um, has been flat to down over the last uh, three months. Um, long-term trend is pretty flat as well. Um, we're seeing uh, those, I talked before about seeing higher peaks, higher troughs on the chart. So, you know, the peaks, they're the, the pointy things uh, that point up and the troughs are the, the V-shaped things that point down. You want to see them moving steadily from left to right up the chart. Yeah, this one's not doing that. They're kind of moving steadily from uh, right, top right down to bottom left, uh, which would indicate that as, as, the, as, the, as the stock rallies, uh, rather than more and more people jumping on board, somebody's sitting out there waiting for that rally to hit it down again and then the next rally comes in, doesn't get quite as high as the last one because the people that are selling are a little bit more, um, you know, uh, you know, they've got more impetus to sell. And there's not enough demand to push it past the last peak. So uh, generally not a good sign there. So okay. the technicals are probably saying no. Fundamentals are probably enough question marks to stay out as well. Yeah. All right. So I know I'm paradigm. Well, uh, Julia? <laughs> Look, the biotech area is always speculative. <laughs> and um, It I is think fraught with danger, is it? <laughs> it is. Um, looking at, uh, at this one, it is interesting, but you have to be a true believer in, in it for, for the long haul. It's going to be massively, yeah. you know, it'll be massively volatile. You'll have to inject a lot of capital because it's still going through uh, trials at the moment. The, the single product that they're focused on is for osteoarthritis in the knee as an injectable. And when you have a lot of pain in that area, it's great that it's not an opiate, um, which the US is cracking down on quite heavily, right. and it's not a steroid either. Mm. So they're going through phase two at the moment, and then next is phase three. So look, the path towards commercialization is probably still a couple of years away, so more 2022. So unless you're 
a strong believer in this one and want to get in early, there's risks, of course, to the trial results. The phase two uh, trials, uh, the, the results were looking quite good. Um, now it's up to phase three, so a larger right. trial that's happening, yep. um, which is also usually more expensive yep. as well. And, that, and they, these stocks do b tend to bubble along until they can finish the trials and get an FDA approval, then they're off and running. So you've got to be patient in the early days. Yeah, and there's a bit of timing. two paths, I think, to making money through, bio, well, three paths to making money through biotechs like this. Either just trade it um, when you do see oh, the yeah, big spikes yeah. up and then buy it back in at a smaller price or wait till commercialization. Or the other path that some biotechs take is they expect to be taken over on the back of good right. results as well. So okay. they're sort of the three paths that you're looking at. This one I'd still say is two years away from potential commercialization if the phase three trials do go well um, so you are looking at injecting capital and a long runway okay there. all right so a no on uh, paradigm um, our um, next stock um, uh, Julia has been suggested by Robert Magellan Global Trust that Magellan sort of tag who um, they're a fund manager who's also listed on the market as well and came out with a great result earlier this week. Um, one of their funds is this Global Trust, investing in 15 to 35 of the world's best global stocks while getting a 4% cash distribution is the aim of it. And uh, what do you think of the Magellan Global Trust? Well, this is Magellan's bread and butter, yeah. uh, the Global Fund, which has outperformed um, pretty much on every single metric. Um, except for the three months. So it's outperformed on a six month, one year, three year, five year, 10 year basis. And that's really what you wanna see when you are pre paying, I guess, more in fees. The fees on this one, I mean, if you compare it to the ETF that we were talking about before, the beta shares Asia, that was 0.65%. This one's almost double the fees, so 1.2% right. and there's a performance fee involved as well. So when you see fees like that, you wanna see outperformance. The good thing is you have seen outperformance here. Um, so look, it, it, it has a, a great track record in terms of um, outperformance. I guess the, the key now is, are we going to continue to see the global share market continue to rise? So you're really looking at the S&P 500 and the US markets to be a key driver yep. of that. But yeah, okay. if you want that diversification, it does have okay. that great track record, great management. Carl, I think we we may have just lost Sorry. your audio. Sorry, yeah. I had I had the cough. I had the cough. Button. Oh, all right, you're on mute. <laughs> there you go. You all no. all of our techs in here at Ausbiz were scrambling towards a production <laughs> desk, going, "What the hell's going on?" So the mute button. That's good. Keep, keeping them on their on their toes. Um, uh, Magellan Global Trust. Yeah, I wonder if Robin's asked this question on the on the on the basis of there's a, there's a bit of a roll up coming uh, coming up. So Magellan. Um, the big Magellan, the uh, MFG, is going to roll uh, this one. And the other one, I can't remember what that is. I should have written it down in my notes, but they're going to roll it all into the same vehicle. Um, so you're probably just looking more at the MFG um, situation than, than the MGG um, situation. Um, look, I'm pretty positive towards uh, the Magellan group uh, in, 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 on the whole, um, in terms of uh, both the technicals and what they're doing, they've got great exposure in, in the US to US markets there, and I've already discussed you know, about how well the US markets are doing. Um, so plenty of uh, tailwinds. I'm pretty positive on, on equities going forwards. Um, it would take me half an hour to discuss why, but we've talked about um, you know uh, trillions of dollars being printed and things like that. Um, so look, uh, from a technical perspective, just looking at the charts, um, both MGG and MFG, which MGG will eventually become part of, um, are looking quite quite solid. Um, if I had them, I would definitely hang on to them. If I didn't have them, you know, we talked about Challenger, we talked about IFL. This is probably the one I would be looking to buy in place of those those other okay. two if I didn't have exposure in this space. Okay. Um, our next um, suggested stock comes from Thomas and Carl Transurban, the uh, the big toll road operator here in Australia and, and overseas. Yeah, look, they've, they've held up pretty well, all things considered. Obviously, you know, CityLink um, traffic's going to be pretty light at the moment and for um, the next few months at least, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, they do have um, 
you know, a really diverse range of operations. So don't just uh, think it's it's all about a Melbourne-based story there. Um, however, you know, obviously um, traffic volume uh, well down uh, in, in in many of those other ones, particularly in the US as well. Um, but I think that diversity does help it. Uh, if we do see an improvement uh, in the global economy, um, traffic movement, et cetera, et cetera, um, as a result of um, us coming out of this COVID, then it's um, you know it's a well-run business. It's uh, and and it's certainly uh, one one to look out for. Um, not pressing valuations from a technical perspective. Um, all of those uncertainties, I think, reflected in the price at the moment. Short-term trend is a complete flat line. If it was one of those um, uh, ECGs on your um, on your heart rate monitor there for the last uh, few months, pretty flat uh, on both the long-term and short-term trends. If it can uh, hold at these levels and push above 14.37, that's the 30th of July high, I'm starting to be a bit more confident that there's a turnaround play in place here. If it breaks below the 14th of July, low of 13.34, then I think you need to be very, very careful indeed. Okay. So watch it at the moment for those triggers. Juliet, what do you think of Transurban? Oh, I'd be staying away for the time being. Um, I guess when you have a look at toll roads, there's the obvious impact of the lockdowns and people yeah. working from home. Um, but then there's also having a look at the amount of traffic that's on the road. So I think there is going to be, a, a, I guess, a in-between period where you don't see enough traffic on the roads, especially in North America. Yeah. And you only tend to use those uh, toll roads which are placed in North America when there's congestion. So if you're not getting congestion, you're just going to use the normal streets rather than paying for the toll roads. So right. look, I think that's going to happen for a while. And then don't forget that international travel is probably still going to take about four years to get back to normal levels. So that has an impact on toll roads to airports as well. So it's not just the, um, I guess there's mm. traffic coming into the city, but also traffic going to airports as well. Yeah. So I don't think there's a rush to get into something like this. Um, and I'd probably be staying away for the time. Okay. Being. All right. Our last stock suggested by Shibneet, United Malt Group. Now, they're a malster. Um, yes, malt that is used in craft brewing and beers and the whole 13 processing plants across Canada, US, Australia, UK. Um, they do one and a quarter million tonnes of malting per year, would you believe? And uh, their customers are brewers, craft brewers, distillers and the like. Um, it's a really interesting business, Julia. I really want <laughs> to say yes to this because I love it. for a while, has it? It's it was spun out new. of Grain Corp. That's so right, it was Grain spun Corp. out of Grain Corp and then they did a capital raising, I think, at $3.80, which yeah. the share price is pretty close to at the moment. And yeah. you're right, the demand for this comes from um, making beer and in particular craft brewers. Uh, brewers. And I guess in the COVID-19 situation, you'd expect that we're drinking more beer at home, which we are but we're not drinking as much on premise. And unfortunately, right. that's had a negative impact on craft brewers. Yep. So if you have a look at craft beer companies around the globe, they've actually been reporting a decrease in terms of sales. So that's a negative for a company like United Malt Group. And that's obviously being reflected in the share price as well. So we are seeing beer volumes down and not only that, um, moving towards cheaper beer brands rather than the craft beer brand. Uh, brands because of, um, I guess, the on-premise sales, and they mainly supply to, I guess, the craft brewers are yeah. the attractive area where the high margin is. So yeah. look, um, in a deteriorating economic and employment situation, what I would expect is people still drinking beer, but buying cheaper, cheaper beer. beer. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> And uh, going back to the VBs and the like, um, who, if you missed it this morning, uh, VB is um, releasing an aftershave uh, as well. Which yes. Beer flavoured aftershave? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not beer flavoured. I originally speculated about that on Sunrise that you now if you come home from the pub and and your partner goes, you've been drinking again, go, no, it's just my, my VB <laughs> aftershave, but no. It doesn't smell like beer at all. It has a woody scent, they tell me, but just in time for Father's Day, and it comes in a, um, the bottle is like a beer stubby. That's good marketing for you, isn't it? <laughs> all right, um, uh, Carl, you're an AFL fan, so uh, Jared Ruffhead is one of the ambassadors for the B VB uh, Cologne, so put it on your Father's Day list with the, uh, with the kids. Uh, what do you think of United Bolt? <laughs> 
Yes, no, will do. Um, look, in a weird sort of way, United, United Malt Group's a bit like Transurban that we talked about. So um, it's a bit of a, you know, needs a, needs a recovery uh, in, the, in the global economy for, for things to pick up. Um, so maybe if you start to see some of those express lanes in the US, Julia, get crowded <laughs> again, then uh, it's time to buy United Malt. You might have, uh, uh, it, it's similar in terms of it's, it's, it's got a really well diversified um you know, operational footprint uh, or where its customers are. Um, but as you say, look, it, until um, people start getting back to uh, stadiums uh, in particular for this one, so um, mm. um, a lot of its earnings come from um, from out of uh, out of home yeah. uh, consumption over there. Yeah, so um, yeah, so Transurban and United Malt Group are kind of perversely linked in that way. Uh, in terms of the um, the chart, it, uh, I talked about the flat line on Transurban. Well, um, this one's uh, as flat as it gets. Uh, which indicates that there's not a lot of accumulation, there's not a lot of distribution. Hey, there's not a lot going on at all. So until we get uh, some movement there, there's not a lot of technical analysts can do. Um, I'll give you some key levels. If it gets above the 11th, uh, 11th of the 8th, that's only a couple of days ago, 11th of 8th, high of 414, it's going to start to look a bit more interesting, more broadly into sort of the mid fours, more interesting again. Um, as long as it holds above 384, then it's probably okay. okay. Um, but I'm not really a, buy a buyer here. At these okay, levels. all right. So thank you for that suggestion. Just to recap our final five stocks, uh, Fisher & Pike or Healthcare. Um, if you're in it, a hold from Carl, but uh, both Carl and Julia saying it's uh, way too expensive at the moment. Probably a better option, according to, according to Julia, is ResMed. Uh, a no for Paradigm. Uh, Magellan Global, um, if you want a listed investment company that invests in, in global stocks, this is probably the pick of them. Uh, a no for Transurban and a no for United Malt. Carl Kapalinga from uh, Think Markets, appreciate your time and um, look forward to seeing you again on the call. Thanks, David. Pleasure for the first time. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll see, see you again. Absolutely, Thanks, Will. And Julia Lee from Berman Invest. Thank you, Julia. Great to be here. Thanks, uh, Get back to reading those earnings <laughs> yeah. reports. There's a lot on at the moment. All right. Uh, ahead of us, um, uh, before we take a very short break, uh, do you ever find yourself uh, missing key parts of the day's trading and market moving? Well, get the latest from our team straight into your email inbox. Sign up for the COB, Close of Business, the stuff you need to know about the day in business, finance and startups. Subscribe at ausbiz slash join uh, and we'll have it in your inbox by 5.30pm Monday to Friday. And don't forget the Startup Daily Show is at 2pm. Each day the team is joined by founders seeking capital and venture capitalists looking to give it to them today. Grouping CEO Jared Baker joins us after having done research that shows just how disadvantaged millennials are during the pandemic and uh, he'll be going through that at 2.40pm right here on Ausbiz. Stick around, up next, The Pulse. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.